My name is Jim Fleming, and this is Our Sunday School. I'm coming to you from the Hickson campus of Stewart Heights Baptist Church in Chattanooga, Tennessee. And we'd love to have you come and visit us. But if you're not in the area, please go to OurSundaySchool.com to see all of the resources we saw in class. Well, good morning, everybody. All right, so if you got your Bibles, open up to 3 John. Uh, and some of you may be wondering, uh, 3 John. All right, so we'll play a little uh, Christian trivia real quick. You ready? All right, so we've got 1 John. <clears throat> we've got 2 John. And today we're going to talk about 3 John. So, come on, that was pretty good. I was so excited about that. I was so excited about that. All right, so does anybody know who this John is? MacArthur, Piper, and then, like, just he goes by one name, the John, right? The original, right? So I, I sent this to a couple guys yesterday, and I got some uh, wonderful memes back. So we may be sharing those later in the series. Uh, but uh, we are starting today in Third John. In uh, Third John, it might be tricky to find in some of your Bibles because it's like half a page for most of you. Uh, the one that I use up here is Second John and Third John fit on the same page with space left over. So it's a it's a little bitty letter. Uh, and it comes, uh, if you want to follow along with the teacher notes, you can go to OurSundaySchool.com, click on the Read tab, and the notes are there. Uh, but it comes right toward the end of the Bible. So if you're not sure where it is, go to Revelation and turn left about a page or two. Uh, and <clears throat> most folks uh, know about Third John because it's the ones that you breathe right out when you're reciting the books of the Bible before you get to Revelation, and then you're proud of yourself. So we'll spend a little bit of time here. Now... What's the best way to find out what a book's about? Read it. So guess what we're going to do? We're going to read it. That's exactly right. All right, so if you've got your Bibles, you can follow along. Uh, I'm going to read out loud, and you guys feel free to take any notes or write down questions, because today's all about questions. That's what Bible study is. Third John. The elder to the beloved Gaius, whom I love in truth. Beloved, I pray that you may prosper in all things and be in health, just as your soul prospers. For I rejoiced greatly when brethren came and testified of the truth that is in you, just as you walk in the truth. I have no greater joy than hear that my children walk in truth. Beloved, you do faithfully whatever you do for the brethren and for strangers who have borne witness of your love before the church. If you send them forward on their journey in a manner worthy of God, you will do well, because they went forth for his name's sake, taking nothing from the Gentiles. We therefore ought to receive such that we may become fellow workers for the truth. I wrote to the church, but Diotrephes, who loves to have preeminence among them, does not receive us. Therefore, if I come, I will call to mind his deeds, which he does, prating against us with malicious words. And not content with that, he himself does not receive the brethren and forbids those who wish to, putting them out of the church. Beloved, do not imitate what is evil, but what is good. He who does good is of God, but he who does evil has not seen God. Demetrius has a good testimony from all, and from the truth itself. And we also bear witness, and you know that our testimony is true. I had many things to write to you, but I do not wish to, wish to write to you with pen and ink. But I hope to see you shortly, and we shall speak face to face. Peace to you. Our friends greet you. Greet the friends by name. <clears throat> now, was the tone different than things that we have done so far this year in Sunday school? Yes. 
So if we, if we, so I've mentioned this before, but I'm a mathematician, and mathematicians see the world a couple different ways. One is uh, normal distributions, right? So you remember in high school, normal distribution, like the, you have tails on one side, the extremes over here, and extremes over here. Well, if, if Nahum is negative extreme over here, Third John is almost as far positive extreme over here as far as the tone. Because he deals with something in the middle, but this pretty much follows some pretty basic format for a New Testament letter. All right, so let's start asking questions. On your handout, you got your handout? A lot of space for taking notes today, so very few, actually a few blanks, but not as many as I, not as many as I could have, Justin. So just remember that, all right? All right, so first question, who wrote 3 John? The 3rd John, right? Yes, I mean, oh, I've, I've already moved it. There we go. Uh, John wrote 3rd John, we think. We're pretty sure. We, we believe. We're like pretty strongly suggested that he wrote 3rd John. Right? Uh, does it say John wrote 3rd John? Did you, did you hear the word John anywhere? What'd you hear? The elder. Okay. And this is pretty universally acknowledged. This is one of the last books written in the New Testament canon. And uh, the language in it, if you, if you want to learn a uh, Greek, like this is the book of the New Testament to start with. The vocabulary level is very, very low. Like Luke, if you want to learn Greek, this is the book to start with. All right? It's real straightforward. This is the opposite of Romans <clears throat> with Paul and his run-on sentences and commas that never end and uh, it's just, it's really, really straightforward. Now, the reason we think John wrote it is if you look at the specific words that are used in the style of writing of the Gospel of John, in 1 John and 2 John and 3 John, they are extraordinarily similar. Even in English, it comes across as incredibly similar. But in Greek, they use some of the exact same phrases in very specific ways, uh, a really simple way to speak. So we're going to say John uh, because of the similarities between the letters. And if you want to test me on that, then I would encourage you to go read the Gospel of John and 1 John and 2 John today. Those would be good exercises for you. Um, if you've ever had somebody come up to you and say, hey, I want to read the Bible, where should I start? What, what do most people say? John, the Gospel of John, right? And then a pagan opens up to a ninth, what, how many chapters in John? John has 20, 24 chapters, I think, something like that. That's a lot, right? If you want to if you want to ease them into John, you can go to 1 John, 2 John, 3 John. Very condensed, and it's also condensed theology from John. So it's, a, it's an easier on-ramp if somebody doesn't like to read. All right, so what's, John, what's 3 John about? What's 3 John about? What do you think? It's about three people. It's really simple. It's about three people. Uh, Gaius, um, Diotrephes and Demetrius. So John is writing to these uh, three people. And you can say Gaius' his name, Gaius or Gaius. Uh, so a lot of different ways to pronounce it. The Greek is almost exactly in the middle of those two. It's not like Laurel and Yanni, but it's, it's in the middle of those two. <clears throat> All right. So what's the subject about? Like what's the one, uh, the one big topic here? Uh, Truth, yes. It's, it's about our connection with people in the truth. That's your next blank there. It's about our connection with people in the truth. So I want, to, I want to talk for just a second about truth. And if you've got your copy of 3 John open, I want you to, I want you to kind of follow along with me. I, I think you can actually tell the story of 3 John by the usage of the word truth. So let's look. So in verse 1, John loves Gaius in the truth. And in verse 3... 
we find out that we can only love in truth if someone has come before us and testified of the truth. In verses 3 and 4, we see that once we hear the testimony and are converted, then we are to repeatedly walk in the truth. In verse 8, as we band together and follow Christ, we become fellow workers for the truth. And then in verse 12, finally, if God permits, we will be known for a good testimony from the truth. I think like, you can literally tell the story of a Christian's life by looking at truth in 3 John. So that's your next blank. The Christian life revolves around truth. Which is one of the reasons why I get so aggravated when somebody that gets really popular talking about theological things decides to take this book and set it aside and then say, I want to start talking about God to you. Well, I, you, we don't know him apart from this. So if you put this aside, then you have a problem because you can go any direction you want to and we don't have a standard. We don't have a set of truth. So I want to make sure that we, we stay very, very close to the text. All right, so next question is there. Who and where was Gaius? So if you've got study Bibles, open your study Bible and tell me what your notes say about who and where was Gaius. Very good answers. Very good answers. <clears throat> we don't know. That's exactly right. There's a whole bunch of Gaiuses in the Bible. I say a whole bunch. There's three or four. Maybe three or four. Maybe the same guy over and over again. Uh, Gaius was a, about the equivalent of the name John today. Uh, it's a very, very common name. Some of the I read three different commentators that said it was very likely that Gaius was the most common name in the Roman Empire. So when we start trying to say it was this person in the New Testament that we, John's talking about, we really don't get a lot of details. So I'm, I'm not going to hold very tightly to that. And we're also not 100% sure where he was. Some of your Bibles may say we think he might have sort of kind of been close to Ephesus. Maybe, but he might not have. So, but neither of those two things, who he was or really uh, where he was, impact the content of the letter very much. Now, when 3 John was written is actually really important. So when 3 John was written is somewhere around 90 A.D. So let's do some math with me real quick, okay? So Jesus was uh, crucified about when? In the early 30s, right? Okay? And if the Apostle John is the same guy that wrote this letter, and, and he was around then and old enough to be there then, and maybe a, probably a teenager then, I would argue, um, then how old is he in the, in the early 90s? Yeah, he's in his 80s, right? He's an ancient human being. Like, if you live to be your 80s today, that's a little bit better than average, right? If you live to be in your 80s then, like, they didn't know anybody in their 80s. This, was, this did not occur because... Uh, Health and sanitation were awful. The infant mortality rate was hideous. Uh, all kinds of disease would occur, and we just didn't have the healthcare system that we do today. Now we gripe about healthcare. I'm looking at Sean. We gripe about the healthcare system today, right? But it's a heck of a lot better than it used to be, right? I mean, who do you know that's died from gangrene, right? Probably not. I mean, Sean probably does. You probably know somebody that has. You probably operated on them, but that's, we're not getting into that today. Um, but, but John was in, what's that? You guys, yeah, please don't, please don't. I'm just going to have to swipe away on those today. But John was an exceedingly old man, and 
what's very likely is that he wrote a lot of letters because he wasn't strong enough to actually travel. Because travel is a, not a, a, an old person's game. You don't just get up, and, especially in this day and age when you couldn't just get in the car and drive. This would involve walking or getting on an animal for a long period. So he wrote a lot of letters. And uh, when he did get an opportunity to speak, we have early church records that talk about uh, people that actually heard him speak. And toward the very end of his life, he wasn't able to walk. So they would carry him up to a pulpit, and he would lean on the pulpit. So if you've ever seen a, a preacher lean on the pulpit, he's actually imitating a, a very, very old practice. He would lean on the pulpit, and his sermon would include the following sentence, and it would usually be the only sentence that he would speak. Little children love one another. And then he would look at the people that carried him up, and he would have them carry him off. And the people listening would get very aggravated because we came to hear a sermon. And he, his response was generally something along the lines of, well, if you would do it, I would stop preaching it. Uh, which, if you, <laughs> that's a big command, but at the same time, we need to hear it often. So did you hear a theme of love as we went through the text? This, I love him, I love him, I love him, I love him, I let you have loved, I appreciate that love, how love and truth work together. So these, these themes are, are interwoven as we go through. All right, so around 90 AD is when 3 John was written. We think it's around the time 1 John, 2 John, and Revelation were all written as well. These are all the, kind of the last uh, books that made it into the canon. All right, so what is our schedule? Uh, our schedule is we're going to do about four verses a week for three weeks and then finish up with the last two. Uh, and the book kind of divides itself very, very neatly. So we're going to talk about the greeting. We're talking about uh, Gaius's commendation. We're going to talk about Diotrephes and Demetrius, and then the farewell greeting and kind of summarize. All right. So any questions about the book itself before we start looking at the verses? All right. Let's look at the text. So let's look at the verses one through four today. So it's, I'm going to read these again. So the elder to the beloved Gaius, whom I love in truth, beloved, I pray that you may prosper in all things and be in health just as your soul prospers. For I rejoice greatly when the brethren came and testified of the truth that is in you, just as you walk in the truth. I have no greater joy than to hear that my children walk in truth. All right, so is it pretty obvious to everybody that this is a letter? Hello, how are you doing? Here's the issues I want to present. Summarize, like Luke, we got it? Excellent, good. All right, so this is the basic format here. Um, <clears throat> now, are there any repeated words in this entire book? In the entire book? This is the repeated words for the whole book. Truth, right? That's the third blank there for the repeated words. Love, that's the second blank for repeated words. You is the first one, yes. So we've got you and yours repeated 14 times. So it's a very direct letter. So it's, it's filled. I want you to see how you can be drenched in love and very direct. Does this make sense? I, I have a very difficult time balancing these two things. Usually when I am very direct, I am not drenched in love. Some, so, yes, th thank you. I, was, I wasn't sure if Justin was going to say amen or if Julie or if Anna Grace was going to say amen, but I knew somebody would. So, all right. Uh, but he balances this very, very, very well. This you and your 14 times, do and does, this is a doing book. Uh, I, it's a very personal book. Beloved, love, loves, the variations here seven times. Uh, not, so he's telling them what not to do. And then this idea of truth comes in uh, quite often. All right, so 
what do the words mean? All right, let's get, just jump right in. <clears throat> so the elder, the presbyterios, that's the Greek word. It just means old. It just means old. And if, if you saw John, you would probably go, yep, that's a really good title. Um, he almost undoubtedly, like the, the statistical likelihood of this not being true is just very low, but he almost undoubtedly would have been the oldest person that any of the believers of this time would have known, and he virtually certainly would have been the oldest person that had seen Jesus Christ. He's probably the last person that actually laid eyes on Jesus on the earth. And think about that for a second. Think about the stories you could tell. I'm the last one that saw him. Think about how coveted you would be among those among whom the gospel had spread. I mean, if we, could, if we could get in a car right now and drive to somebody, Jay, that had actually seen and talked to Jesus, where would you be right now? You'd be in the car, yes. You'd already be there, right? Because you would not be talking to me. Somebody thousands of years, you'd be talking to the person, absolutely. He would have been very, very sought out. He would have had a, a place of deep honor and respect and reverence, which is why we think he can just address himself as the elder. Like, I'm the oldest, right? Charles Alexander walks in this room, and he says, the oldest is here. We'd all go, yep, Absolutely. You, you got it. That's exactly right. And he wears that title with pride now, right? He's like, this is a good thing. This is good. So John did too. So the elder, the oldest. To the beloved, the agapetos, the dearly beloved. And this word shows up several different times. It shows up in verse 1, verse 2, verse 5, and verse 11. Uh, Gaius, or Gaius, it means Lord. Whom I love, agapeo. So this is the verb format here. It says, uh, <clears throat> in truth. All right, aletheia, aletheia. You're going to see this word uh, six times in Third John. It's an incredibly important word. It's going to keep coming back to it and coming back to it. So, beloved, agapetos, again, same, verse, same word as in verse 1. I pray, this is to, to pray or to wish, that you, and this is a singular you. Greek has singular yous and plural yous. This is a singular. So he's talking specifically to, I'm, I'm wagging my finger because I can see him wagging his finger. I pray that you, singular Gaius, may prosper or uh, to be helped on the road or be successful in business affairs or to be uh, prosperous in your journey. Which almost sounds like what common theology today. Almost sounds like the prosperity gospel, right? And if, and if you only took this verse, you might come to that conclusion. But if you were to go back and read maybe the Gospel of John and 1 John and 2 John, you, you're not going to come to the conclusion that the prosperity gospel is uh, theologically accurate. So I pray that you may prosper in all things and be in health. Uh, hugiano. Uh, what does that word look like? Looks like hygiene, right? Luke? This is why you've got to brush your teeth every day, buddy. Okay? It's literally in the Bible. Hygiene right there. Okay? So, you're welcome. Right? There you go. All right. <clears throat> Luke, I am so glad you're in here today. I appreciate that. So, I, I pray that you may prosper in all things and be in health, or be of sound, be of wholesome, just as your soul, your suche, your soul prospers. Now, think about this for a second. He's praying for his bodily health to be in the same status that his soul is in. 
The first time I thought about this consciously, I went, ooh, ooh, I don't, hmm, I don't know that I want that prayed about me because, hmm, maybe not. So Guzik has a quote there. He says, what would it be like if our physical health was in the same state as our soul's? And Stott, John Stott, I don't know if you've, if you've never read any John Stott, you should immediately go to a bookstore when we're finished today and, and buy anything by John Stott and just start to read because you need a good, healthy diet of John Stott in your life. Um, it says there's a biblical warrant here for desiring the physical as well as the spiritual welfare of our Christian friends. So, uh, shove all this aside, and I want everybody to stare at the sheet with the blue streak across the top, the uh, weekly update. <clears throat> So on the right-hand side of the weekly update, seriously, hold it up. I want you all looking at it. On the right-hand side of a weekly update are ongoing prayer requests. The biblical reason that we have for praying about these things is 3 John verse 2. We pray for the salvation of our friends and family. We pray for health and physical needs. We pray for those who are away from us. We pray for those who have work issues, who are age-related health and living. And then we have this other category because we have these random prayers thrown in the Bible about all sorts of things. Like we have a biblical mandate and justification and example for praying for these types of things. So when we get to the end of the class and I say, lean in, engage, and pray over these as a table, like we are actually fulfilling what the Bible asks us to do. So don't view this as a, a, a add-on, a flippant thing. This is substantive and important. The last man on earth who knew Jesus prayed for these types of things. So we can mimitate uh, and do likewise. All right, so verse 3. For I rejoice, Cairo. Uh, this is uh, to be cheerful. Um, so before I give you the blank, I want to... I'm going to start poking holes in something because I keep hearing it, and it's just, it's just not biblical, okay? Um, I keep hearing that there is a, a biblical difference between joy found in the Bible and happiness. And, okay, so is there, is there an emotional response that only Jesus Christ can give? Absolutely, sure, totally on board. You know what it looks like? It looks like happiness. And when you look at all the definitions for all the Greek words for joy, you know what every single one of them has in it? Happy, right? You know what your blank is? Your blank is happy. It is calmly happy or well off. I fear, here's my, here's my concern. My fear is that when we as Christians talk about, well, joy is something that is just only for the Christian and it's just, it can't be experienced. But like, no, it's just happiness. It's happiness. Like, don't, don't discredit happy. Being happy is a good thing. For I rejoiced. I was happy greatly, chiefest, when the brethren, when the Adelphos, came and testified of the truth that is in you. All right, so came. So on your, on your handout, I want you to under, see the word came there. You see the brackets? I want you to underline the word present. And you skip over the middle or passive deponent because that's crazy, super complicated. We're not going there today. And then underline the word participle. 
When you see present and participle together, this means, here's your blank, repeatedly. Teach you a little Greek here, okay? So I rejoice greatly when the brethren repeatedly came. And look here, and testified. Martyrio, present active participle. Repeatedly testified. So get this. So John's in location A. Gaius is in location B. Brothers go to location B where Gaius is. They find out what's going on. They report back to John. John gets happy. Brothers go where Gaius is. They find out what's going on. They go back to John. John gets happy. Brothers go to where Gaius is. You see where I'm going here? Like over and over and over. So think about it. You're an old man at the end of your life. You've been preaching relentlessly the same message for, dare I say, 60 years? And you see evidence of somebody who's got it. You know what that's going to do? That's going to make you really happy. And that's going to encourage an old man at the end of his life. And that is good. Repeatedly came and repeatedly testified. Now, the word for testified is what? Martyrio, right? And it looks like what word? It looks like the word for martyr, because it is the word for martyr. It's just it meant something different at this point in time. At this point in time, it just meant somebody who raised their hand and said, I'm going to tell the truth about something that occurred. Later on, what it came to mean was somebody that told the truth about what occurred and then got killed for it. So, like, oh, that's an interesting adaptation of the definition, right? So we look at martyr and go, oh, this is somebody that died, and at this point, you can actually use it for somebody who just gave testimony. So they repeatedly came, and they repeatedly testified of what? The truth that what? That's in him, right? That was in him. This was not, I have a copy of your letters and I've kept them all and it's nice and clean and I keep it on the shelf. Yes. It's not, I got five points on my offering envelope because I checked off and brought my Bible to church today. Y- y'all, did y'all grow up in churches that had point system for a number of, we had a point system. I didn't never understood what the points were for. Uh, we never really tallied them up or did anything with them, but you got points. And me as a math-oriented kid, I always loved the points. So, you know, just, it was fun. But he was not giving him points for carrying around his copy of the Bible. He was, he was saying, I am happy because the truth that is actually in you. And not just in him, but just as you also peripateo, just as you walk in the truth, to tread around, to... The peri is the, uh, uh, the perimeter... See the word right after walk, peripateo? The peri is the perimeter. So the word perimeter means on the edge, and pateo is uh, to, to actively walk in a space. So you're walking along the edge. As you walk around in life, you walk in the truth in the aletheia as well. And Matthew Henry says the best evidence of our having the truth is our walking in the truth. Right? I mean, Skip, how do you know somebody's a believer? You don't for sure, but how do you think they're a believer? Yeah, it looks like it. Yeah. Walks like a duck, talks like a duck, might be a duck, right? Absolutely. So he's not only got the truth in him, he is walking in the truth. So verse 4, I have... Ooh, do that. Yes, yes, yes. Listening to the exact same thing 
Point system <clears throat> right there. It's exactly right, right? If you, if, if you want to be proficient at a thing, you know, it's, I, I feel like Ellen Iverson, right? We're talking about practice. It's, it's just, we just go get it done. All right. <clears throat> That'd be my only Iverson quote today, so. Sorry. You should probably never quote Ellen Iverson. <laughs> All right, verse 4. So I have, I have, I've present active indicative. I hold on to it right now. No greater joy. This is, the, this is a different word for joy. This means calm delight. What does that sound like? It sounds like happy. <laughs> I have no greater joy than to hear akuo, acoustic, so we're going to get our word acoustic, that my children walk, peripateo, and here's your present active participle, so it goes in the blank there, repeatedly, repeatedly walking in Aletheia, in the truth. Now, there's all kinds of stuff written about this word children. Um, Paul uses this several times as well. This is a quote from uh, Marshall. Uh, it, and it, we, we believe that this probably indicates one of two things. It probably indicates that either uh, here, John, the Apostle John, led Gaius to Christ, or John is taking some very fatherly approach as I am uh, helping uh, assist in these churches. Uh, either way, John sees Gaius as a, a child of his. And you probably have somebody that is older than you that you look up to as a spiritual father in your life. Uh, and some of you may have a spiritual mother in your life. I have uh, both. And uh, those people take a very special place in your heart. They mean something very special to you. And to hear them refer to you that way would probably make you very encouraged and joyful and happy as well. So I, I think what John is doing here is he is simultaneously encouraging Gaius by de describing exactly what is going on. So, so he's got this joy... He's got this repeated walking, and he's doing this in truth. Now, I'm going to pause for just a second. Have we talked about any theology that is complicated so far in 3 John? No. We will not. It is. Uh, there's this fantastic series that we're doing with the women right now. The, the, 
what is it, Cookies on the Lower Shelf? What is it, is it putting the, what's the title of it? Putting the Cookies on the Lower Shelf? Yeah, Cookies on the Lower Shelf, right, yeah, yeah. I love that title because it so perfectly describes what John does. He is going to make it incredibly straightforward and incredibly accessible to literally anybody. You could take, except for probably some of the Greek words, the lesson that I have taught today and teach it. Luke, did you understand what I talked about today? Yes, excellent. How old are you, Luke? Eleven. I'm going to say conservatively a seven or eight-year-old could easily grasp what is going on here. Now, notice I did not give you any blanks on the application and the personalization. You know why? Because this is real straightforward. Right? Christians should what? Love one another. So what do we do with that? Love other believers. Christians should pray for one another. I think for a healthy body and soul. To pray for other believers. And Christians should rejoice over one another. So we should rejoice over other believers. Now, I want to make sure that we understand when I say rejoice over other believers, we are not giving some person glory in that. This is, I thank God for what he has done in you. Your actions, as they reflect God and the gospel, make me happy. Right? So let's make sure that we're not saying we're, we're lauding somebody and building somebody up personally apart from what God has done in them. We always have an opportunity to praise the Lord in these things. All right, so that's the first four verses. Uh, next week, we've got verses 5 through 8. So Gaius commended for his generosity. We're going to talk a lot about generosity last week. So be thinking this week, if you would, and I will ask for your help in this. Um, you can put it on uh, our Sunday. If you want to subscribe to our podcast, you can go to OurSundaySchool.com and click the subscribe button. But if you want to put it on the Our Sunday School page, uh, share your stories of generosity inside the family. So who has helped you inside church? Who have you been able to help inside church? I want to talk about uh, many of those next week. I think that would be very encouraging for us. Now, also on your handout, oh, yes, there it is. Uh, after the homework section, you see the extra credit. There is a Bible project video on 3rd John as well. Uh, it's actually not on 3rd John. It's on 1st John, 2nd John, and 3rd John all kind of mashed up. And it goes into a lot of the backstory of what 1st John is all about and how they're connected. And I think it does a really, really good job with that. Um, and then some of the resources that I've used in today's class are listed there as well. All right, so what am I going to tell you to do now? That's right. Lean in, engage, and pray. And you get to actually obey the Bible when you do this, which is kind of cool. Because sometimes I wonder, is this, is this action that I'm taking right now, is that, like, is that obeying some Bible command? Well, I know this one is. So go. And when you are finished, you are dismissed. Thanks for coming today, guys. Thanks for listening. And don't forget to subscribe to this podcast and to our weekly email. You can do both at OurSundaySchool.com.